0: Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. I'm your host, Savag Tatiocian. This is a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93, AT&T 99 in the Fresno and Clovis area. We're also on talk radio 1550 KXCX in the Central Valley of California. Finally, we're around the world on podcast, Anchor FM, which really is a Spotify company or Spotify organization. So you can find us on Anchor FM, Spotify, and much more. Our guest this week is Lynn Zovigian. She is with an organization called the Zovigian Partnership. And before we learn a little bit about her and the Zovigian Partnership. I want to welcome her to this program. Welcome, Lynn.
1: Thank you so much, Sivag, for having me. I'm delighted to be with you today.
0: So you are in Beirut, Lebanon, as we speak, correct?
1: I am. I have flown into Beirut for the Christmas holidays with the family, and it is a very important time to be back with loved ones.
0: So... Our audience members will know that I've talked about this multiple times, that my mom and dad are both from the Middle East. They're from the Armenian communities of the Middle East. They both families fled the genocide and like thousands of others ended up in the Middle East. And so the Zovigian partnership, are, are you in Lebanon or I've heard you're also in other countries in the Middle East?
1: Yes, that's right. And we actually have two different hats on SIVAGS. So we have the Zovegan Partnership as a business that my father and I established together in, in 2013. And we are also the Zovegan Partnership public office, which I set up with my team in 2015. So as a business, we're really based in Saudi Arabia and I spend most of my time in Riyadh as well as Jeddah and the Governorate of Mecca. And as a public office, which is really our peace building and impact arm as a family and as a business. We are here in Lebanon and we are in Iraq and very, very recently we have also decided to commit to the Armenian nation.
0: And I want to talk about this a little bit because, you know, our audience that listens to this program really are predominantly non-Armenian. We do have Armenian listeners. Uh, This area has uh, a lot of middle eastern and uh, people who have traveled or people who have migrated from the middle east you know there's a yemeni population a lebanese population um an iranian population and so when they see the ian at the end of the name they a lot of people think armenian or no armenian now the zovigian partnership has a little bit of an armenian connection tell us the story
1: that's a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked it in this way. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, growing up, growing up, Sivag, I, you know, my parents are multicultural from both sides of the family and both of their sides of the family. You know, growing up, I I was my brother and I were raised as global citizens. And we lived in multiple countries. I mean, I'm, I'm born in Norway, and my brother's born in London, and, and we lived in, in Europe and in different parts of the Middle East. Um, so I, I can't say that we grew up as Armenian. But what I can tell you is the story of the Zovigan partnership for me personally has really brought out the Armenian in me. And in a couple of ways, if if you give me a quick moment to, sure. to walk you- To walk you and our audience through that. You know, it was very interesting when I first moved to Saudi Arabia over 10 years ago, I was struck by the fact that a lot of members of the business community and and, and public sector recognized the Armenian name. And and I wrote about this actually in my first column with with Arab News at the at the um, at the Armenian Genocide commemorative mark in April. I I was struck that people recognise you know I'm Armenian and what does it mean to be <laughs> Armenian. And, and and so I have to say, you know, entering the Saudi market 10 years ago really brought me face to face with the fact that I am Armenian. And so what does that mean? It means being professional. It means being trusted. It means that you're dependable. People can count on you to actually get things done. And, and so that was a very strong, you know, firsthand experience of being Armenian. And, and and the second round of, of this Armenianism was through the ZP public office, the Zovigian Partnership public office. We were initiated by the Yezidi cause. Our first mission has been to serve the Yezidi people in Sinjar and you know a lot about the Yezidi cause and the Yezidi people. And again, being Armenian for them resonated and there was this immediate solidarity and and so you know interestingly adopting the family name to brand our business and brand our public office actually initiated my journey as a global armenian citizen
0: and if you ever visit fresno california which i'm um, you have an open invitation if you ever come um would love to take you around town here to all the Thank things you. in in fresno uh, the IAN is going to tip off a lot of people and you're going to get the same <laughs> kind of thing because, you know, when, after the genocide, Armenians, this is the first, one of the first places they came, but you know, I, I, you, I, in preparation of this interview, I listened to one of the speeches you gave and you said the Armenian in me, but then you said the Arab in me. And I thought I was touched by that speech and I don't know if you remember where it was or when it was, but it it was this compassion this kind of like hard to explain what did you mean when you said those two words because i felt like it was like you know a mom or a or this compassionate person you know wanting to um mix both cultures and and by the way a, a, a shout out to the middle east shout out to the middle eastern communities out there you know, again, my dad comes from the Middle East, my mom comes from the Middle East, and they speak highly of the different uh, uh, cultures in the Middle East. And they've had no problems in the Middle East. But I love when you said the Armenian in me and the Arab in me. What did you mean when you said that?
1: I'm very, very touched that you would ask me this question, Like, and, and and only a fellow Arab and Armenian would recognize <laughs> that. <laughs> um i very much remember that speech as well it was at the it was at the yezidi genocide commemoration a couple of years ago and i was speaking to an audience of you know the Airagi president and and diplomats from around the world and and our yezidi friends and um over 50,000 uh, yezidi community members had dialed into the virtual session and And the reason that I said that is actually because the the Arab in me has been empowered by the Armenian that's been growing and discovering itself and and vice versa. and And so, for me, what does it mean to be an Arab woman? Where well, I've lived in different countries in the Middle East growing up. Both of my parents come from different parts of the region. We call Beirut, our home, but like so many, we are from different Levantine um, countries in the region. And so to be an Arab woman is has always been this acknowledgement, not only of resistance and of justice, but of redefining terms. And setting new definitions, you know, in in the United States, for example, an, an, an American woman might classify what success looks like in a certain way, uh, the way a European woman or a British woman might do so, here I find in the Arab world, a lot of Arab women are claiming that territory and each of us are defining success in our own way. And I'm touched that you mentioned maternal because I think there is a very strong sense of maternity and 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 nurture and community building and family building um, that comes with what it means to be an Arab woman. But as well, being the Armenian woman is about service, is about putting your first the, one of the first foot forward and it's the best foot forward. And when you combine nurture with action and agility with passion, it's an incredible empowering and healing journey. And I think that that really strongly represents who I have always tried to be in the face of genocide, in the face of crises, and in service to the communities we care for.
0: You are listening to San Joaquin Spotlight. I'm your host, Sevag Tatiosian. This is a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93 and AT&T 99 in the Fresno and Clovis area. We're also in the Central Valley of California on talk radio 1550 KXCX. And finally, we're on podcast Anchor FM, which is a Spotify company. We're on Anchor FM podcast under the San Joaquin Spotlight name our guest is lynn zovigian she's joining us from the middle east lebanon to be exact right now in lebanon um you'll learn in this interview and as has stated that that the zovigian partnership is her organization and you know they do business and they're involved in different countries in the middle east lynn uh, continuing on this conversation about Zovegan Partnership. One of the things that I read that you do are these kind of micro loans, and I don't know if I'm going to get that exactly right, but but I love this idea of micro loans, and I love this idea of micro loans to women entrepreneurs. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that space that you're involved in?
1: Yes I I'd, I'd love to talk about that and and specifically it's about microfunding um so not necessarily loans but it's about so for us in Lebanon today where the private sector has been absolutely decimated by a combination of 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 many crises and and many factors from uh, the complete obliteration of the local currency Combined with a um, non-legislated dollarization of the country and economy, which means which means that um, you can't find hard currency dollars anymore in the country, and only those who have access to them can afford any product and service in the country. And so you've had the local currency completely obliterated with hyperinflation. Um, There is massive food insecurity and um, the private sector has been destroyed. The public sector has been destroyed. And one of the only sectors that's half keeping us hanging is the third sector, the civil society of, of, some incredible NGOs doing very, very hard work day in, day out to serve community. And so why are we supporting the women's, the economic empowerment of women in Lebanon? And women in Lebanon means all women, not just Lebanese. And I think that's incredibly important as well, um, because this crisis, these crises have affected all communities across the board. The So why are we focusing on women? Because the reality is that for the longest of times, women have been barred from economic participation and political participation, and their social participation has been very much focused on households and uh, childbearing and child caring and caring for the elderly. And if we want to really, really, take off a, a recovery and a healing journey at a national level for this country, we're going to have to reverse that equation because women are the crucial ingredient to a socioeconomic engine that this country needs. Um, today, households can no longer rely on one income. They can no longer rely on 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 remittances coming in from abroad for the diaspora that continues to try to support um, Lebanon with the lifeline that it can. We need to to invest in women. And so what you are referring to is these micro investments. and Sivag, it's because many women already have tremendous skills. But what they need is to have those skills amplified. What they need is to have those skills recognized and efficiently plugged into the whatever is left of the economy and, and help reboost or and 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 reignite that economy. But what's also so very important is when we are investing in women's economic empowerment in Lebanon is to listen, deeply listen, what does economic empowerment even mean. And so through our work with NGOs, we have learned from them and their communities, their constituents. I, I do not, I don't, I don't use the word beneficiaries, you know, constituents, they have power, they have co-decision making power in what their futures need to look like. And it's not on a donor or even an NGO to dictate what that future should hold. And so um, this constituency power is teaches us a lot. And it teaches us not just to give funding, not just to support and build skills, not just to give access to the market, um, but to support these women with mental health to ensure that these women understand and have access to their human rights, their legal rights, their their civil rights as citizens and and as non-citizens in this country. And so that is the investment that we are making in women in Lebanon. We deeply listen to them, and they, with the NGOs they are working with, have been guiding where those investments should be going. And we have been prototyping this program, SIVAG, over the last two years. We've launched three grant cycles with a dear friend of mine, another extraordinary Arab woman. And, and together, we've we've really been doing very important work. And the time is going to come very soon where this prototype graduates. And it's going to be time to open it up for the world, for the world to join in on investing in women in Lebanon in their own terms, in the terms of the women of this country.
0: I love that. And when that time comes, or, or maybe there's time now, how can our audience members help the Zovigian partnership on this endeavor? Because as I hear about kind of this micro funding, uh, sure, a lot of money is great, obviously, but when if we have people that want to contribute little at a time, uh, do you accept that, or how does that work?
1: Absolutely, you know, we we live in a time globally in the humanitarian space where all of the cost structures of funding need to really be revisited. What costs Too little is not enough and has never been prioritized like building capacity, like investing in meaningful training, not just coming in and giving a a seminar and then walking away. I'm talking about measurable learning outcomes where participants walk out knowing that they can face the world with more tools and more knowledge. And, and advocacy, um, making sure that, that, um, Lebanon is heard on a stage, on a global stage where there's just, there are just so many other problematics um, from Ukraine um, to challenges uh, with COVID and possible re-entry into COVID, um, with oil prices, with cost of living pressures. There's so many crises that the world is facing. Um, where is Lebanon on that global map? And so advocacy has never been so crucial. And and, and and coming and visiting Lebanon, because by visiting Lebanon, you are supporting what little is left, which is what micro businesses, SMEs, a little bit of tourism, um, protecting and helping us preserve our culture. And because you want to come and visit and, and enjoy those crucial assets that Lebanon importantly has still to share with the world. And, and so there are so many ways that you can support aside from funding, um, but funding goes a long way. If I may add one more thing, Sivag, we're living in a hyperinflationary time, which means that tough things cost less. And so others go a long, long, long way, M- much more than before these crises hit. That 100, has a value of about a thousand in terms of the impact that it can actually achieve on the ground. So Lebanon today is a a high return on impact. It's a high return on impact investment today, if you can put even a few dollars in.
0: So we're running out of time this week on the program. I could talk to you for hours and hours about Lebanon and the Middle East, but Uh, You mentioned something that I want to talk about a little bit more here is some people say right now is not a good time to go to Lebanon because of, you know, the economic crises. My opinion, these are the cup is half empty, folks. But then the other side is the cup is half full. As you said, the hundred dollars is going to go longer. So in your opinion right now, is it a good time for. You know, Americans or people from Fresno, California, to say, I'm gonna go visit Lebanon for a week.
1: That's a tough question, Sivag, <laughs> because I recognize, I recognize the global public narrative. I see the travel warnings and the travel bans, um, and and I know that it takes a lot to be ready to unlearn what everyone else is saying and stepping in with a fresh perspective. I think that is one of the strongest humanitarian moves that people, that global citizens can make today is to decide in their own ways and their own terms terms and, and make their own opinions on this country. But what I would also say is to do so responsibly and to recognize that there is a global Lebanese family and there is a local Lebanese family uh, of, of many good people who would be able to give the right advice so that you can come and visit us safely and and, and join us in the many impact missions on the ground.
0: So Zovigian Partnership, Where do you see yourself and this organization in the next 10 years? And I know that that's a tough question. There's a lot of factors that come into play. But I could see the energy is there. I could see the passion is there. And and so 10 years from now, if we were to talk, how would you define success for yourself? Or, you know what, maybe you say we're already successful now.
1: I would say that there have been very important successes that we have hit. But that is what opens the door for much bigger successes to come. Sivag, so you know, we're closing the year you and I and 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 all of our 2023 is going to be ZP's 10th year. That's that's the year we're stepping into. So you're asking me, where is the to be in 20 years. And I hope we are going to be a company that continues to do important business in the region for governments and policy makers and visionaries who are putting their best foot forward and want to commission the strongest research and the strongest interventions on the ground and to be held accountable with effective monitoring and reporting on those interventions and projects, because the more money we make as a business, the more we will be able to give back. And that is why the ZP public office is not divorced from the business as an entity, because we hold ourselves accountable, my father and I and the team to deliver in business so that we can deliver to humanity. And so I only hope that 20 years from now, we will be in more countries. We would have proven and demonstrated, we would have proven concept on how things can work when things look impossible. And I hope that we would be able to bring measurement and methodology to, um, to, to, to to demonstrating that when we empower communities who know best, they can deliver on safe and long time, meaningfully peaceful futures for themselves. And we have an important hand to play in that, Sivak. So let's definitely have that conversation at year 20. <laughs>
0: excellent way to end the program this week lynn such a pleasure having you on the program
1: thank you so so very much and wishing you a very happy new year
0: that's all for this edition of san joaquin spotlight our guest has been lynn zovigian she is with the zovigian partnership lynn again thank you for joining us
1: thank you so much for having me
0: I'm your host, Sevag Tatiosian. Thank you to our audience members who listened to this broadcast on CMAC Comcast 93, and AT&T 99. To those also who listened on Talk Radio 1550, KXEX in the Central Valley of California. And to those who are listening on the podcast, Anchor FM, or Spotify. The podcast is called San Joaquin Spotlight. Lynn, before you go, one more thing. As my parents say, Khadish Allah. (laughs) wishing you the best for 2023 wishing the world the best in 2023 wishing health happiness and prosperity amin This program was made possible in part by Face Logic Essential Skin Care and Spa in Clovis.